Welcome to Church History for Everyone, a podcast that brings to life the stories of the saints of generations gone by. From Athanasius to William Carey, and from Nero's persecutions to the Great Awakening, we provide a digestible and challenging look at the figures and events that have shaped church history and, in turn, changed the world. Now, here's your host, Christopher Hume. In our last episode, we ended by introducing the man, William Bradford. And today, what we're going to do is begin to look at the world into which Bradford was born and to begin to understand what it was like to be born at the end of the 16th century in England. I want you to imagine that today, President Donald Trump has made an executive order upheld by the Supreme Court that requires you to attend only church services that the president has authorized and sanctioned. If you go to an unauthorized service and you are caught, you will be brought before a judge and you will be asked to confess that Donald Trump knows what is best when it comes to worshiping Jesus Christ. In fact, you will be asked to recant using the following language. I do humbly confess and acknowledge that I have seriously offended God in condemning President Trump's godly and lawful government and authority by absenting myself from church and from hearing divine service contrary to the godly laws and statutes of this realm. I am heartily sorry for the same and do acknowledge and testify in my conscience that no other person has or ought to have any power or authority over President Trump. I promise that I will henceforth obey and perform the president's laws and statutes in attending church services that he approves and endorses. Now, such a scenario may shock you, but that is the world into which William Bradford was born in 1590. So the first 13 years of Bradford's life will be lived under Queen Elizabeth. Now, history has a tendency, at least from the Protestant perspective, history has a tendency to look upon good Queen Bess, as she is called, favorably, because we tend to compare her to her half-sister, the Catholic Bloody Mary. But living under Queen Elizabeth was no walk in the park, especially if submitting to a monarch in matters of worshiping Jesus Christ didn't sit well with you. Now, by the time Bradford is born in 1590, Elizabeth has been reigning for 30 years. And while she has certainly led England away from Roman Catholicism in many ways, she still leaves a lot to be desired, especially to the men and women whom Bradford would come to admire as he grew up. You see, the church in England under Elizabeth was meant to be one united church. And while the Church of England was no longer Catholic, that's true, many men and women could not, with a clean conscience, be part of a church controlled and monitored by the state, by the queen. Not only were there still remnants of Romanism to these people in their mind, the church service hadn't been purified enough, there still were were tendencies of popish religion and idolatry, but The very idea that the church was dependent on the state to sanction and monitor and control its worship was odious to many Christians in Bradford's day. In fact, one story that occurred right around the time of Bradford's birth will highlight the world into which young William was born. So it's 1593 now. William Bradford is three years old. He's just a toddler 
when two men in England are tried, condemned, and sent to prison for failing to conform to the religion of the state. These men, one by the name of John Greenwood and the other Henry Barrow, they had spoken openly about the fact that the church ought to be free to conduct its affairs according not to the dictates of the queen or king, but according to the word of God and the word of God alone. Now, they were also troubled by the fact that the Church of England was made up of all the citizens of the realm, many of whom had no love for Christ. And so these men were actually arguing for what today we call regenerate church membership. In fact, Barrow had written a pamphlet with the lengthy and apt title, A True Description of the Visible Congregation of the Saints Under the Gospel According to the Word of Truth. And he opens this work by arguing that since the universal church consists of all the elect of God, a particular church ought to consist of a company of faithful and holy people. So, in contrast to the view in England at the time under Elizabeth that all her subjects are to be part of her church and subject and submit to her understanding of the church, Barrow and Greenwood said, no, the Bible teaches that the church is to be made up of saints, of those who love Jesus Christ and have repented of their sins. But that sort of thinking was too much for Queen Elizabeth and her bishops. And so the throne had to silence such talk, for it was seditious in the queen's mind for someone to suggest that the church of Jesus Christ could operate or should operate above the queen. And so in 1593, the year that Barrow and Greenwood are arrested and in prison, Parliament passes the Religious Act, or the Act Against the Puritans. Now this act stated that if anyone refused to attend a state-sanctioned church service and instead went to an unauthorized church service and they were caught, they would have three months to recant. They would have three months to say they're sorry and change their behavior. And if they would not recant, they would be forced to leave England and forfeit all their land. Failure to do this, failure to abjure the realm, as it's called, to leave England was a capital offense. And so essentially to apply this law today, uh, it said, worship as President Donald Trump and the Supreme Court dictate or get out of America. Now, as you can imagine, such an ultimatum did not rest well with those who had been consuming the precious words of the Geneva Bible for the past 30 years. The biblical principles that they were reading in God's word about the autonomy of the local church and the duty of Christians to obey God above kings and queens were beginning to permeate the hearts and minds of many Englishmen in Bradford's day. But the Queen of England did not like that thinking. And so Henry Barrow and John Greenwood were executed for their views in 1593. They died because they would rather obey God than man, or in this case, the Queen of England. That same year, still 1593, John Penry, a man named John Penry was condemned. He was accused of writing tracts against the abuses of the anti-Puritan church leaders and civil leaders in England. Now, John Penry was hanged. He was cut down while he was still alive. He was drawn and quartered, which means his body was cut in pieces and his bloody remains were carried away in a basket. These were the happy days of Merry England 
into which William Bradford was born. Now, I do want to say one thing about these separatists. These men were not content with the halfway reformation under Elizabeth. And thus they said, we have to leave the Church of England. That's why they're called separatists. We have to separate from the Church of England. And they stand as examples to us even today. You see, before Elizabeth, Bloody Mary had executed over 300 Protestants for failing to submit to the idolatry of Roman Catholicism. And so when Elizabeth comes along and at least endorses Protestantism outwardly, you could understand the fact that many men and women would say, all right, we're going to submit to Elizabeth because at least now we have, quote unquote, the gospel, right? And so we're just going to submit to the queen and her dictates and we're going to go to her state sanctioned services and we'll be content because at least now uh, we are free from Roman Catholicism. But men like Penry, Greenwood, and Barrow refused to subject Jesus Christ and his church to the dictates of a king or queen. And while I do admire the Puritans who stayed within the Church of England and sought to purify it, many of them did pay for that uh, in serious ways, the admiration and respect I have for these separatists is so much more. Because the temptation for them in, in some ways was stronger than under Bloody Mary. Because under Bloody Mary, all the Protestants knew the Roman Catholic doctrine is false, right? Everything they learned about the Reformation and reading the Bible for themselves, finally, we cannot worship as the Pope dictates. And so Elizabeth comes along and there's this great temptation then to say, okay, well, we've been free from Roman Catholicism. Why pay with our lives when we at least have the gospel right? There was a way out. We're going to stay within the Church of England. We're going to submit to the Queen as she tells us how to worship Jesus Christ, and we'll try to slowly change things. But these men refused. They refused to subject Christ to the dictates of a monarch, and their example was about to change the world. And in many ways, the man who would take this principle and apply it in a way that changed the world most radically was William Bradford, who at the time in 1593, when people were dying for their passion to worship Jesus Christ, according to the word of God, was just a three-year-old toddler. And so the atmosphere in Bradford's day is somewhat actually similar to China today. While China does not, it's true, have the structure of Protestantism that England had under Elizabeth, the idea in England that it was only acceptable to go to a Christian church that was sanctioned by the state is the same idea that reigns in China today. You are free, in fact, in China to be a Christian, so long as you attend a state-sanctioned church. To true followers of Jesus Christ, however, this will not do. And so many Chinese men and women today are suffering in China because they refuse to conform to the state to the state's idea of what it means to worship Jesus Christ, choosing rather to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ in his word rather than the state. Now, in contrast to men like Greenwood, Barrow, and Penry, William Bradford's family had always been a conforming family. His great-great-grandfather Peter had been a Catholic under the Catholic monarchs because that was the wise thing to do from an earthly perspective. And by the time William's born in 1590, his parents and uncles were apparently conforming Church of England members. They saw no need to rock the boat and question the status quo. 
And in fact, from a human perspective, they had a lot to lose if they did so. You see, William Bradford's family was not poor. His father and his father before him were yeomen. They owned considerable amounts of land. They were sheep farmers. They had considerable holdings in rural England. And for them to go against the laws of whether it was Catholic, the Queen Mary, or Queen Elizabeth in Bradford's time could mean that they would have to give up all their lands. And so the Bradfords refused to get involved in the radical fringe elements of Puritanism and instead said, we're just going to do whatever the monarch says because that's in our best interests. And so Bradford and his family were conformists and their religion was merely a shell. It was an outer veneer that did not touch the heart or stir the soul. And you see that even today, even though in America there is not a state-sanctioned religion, many people just adopt what is acceptable, what is going to not um, have them be viewed as radical and fringe and are content with a religion that doesn't stir the heart move the soul, or impact their lives in serious ways. To Bradford's family, the religion of the separatists, men like John Penry and and John Greenwood, was radical and crazy. The men that we would call the pilgrims today were not viewed with respect and admiration in their day. The men whom Bradford would come to admire and respect were not viewed Uh, in good terms in Bradford's day. They were looked at askance because they took the Lordship of Christ more seriously, I would argue, than any in their own day. And today there's still this temptation, right, to conform to the accepted religious practices, even within evangelicalism. And we make the same mistake as those in the Church of England did in Bradford's day when we look at those who are seeking to apply the Lordship of Christ in ways that we may not be used to and deem that they are radical and off their rocker. Now, Penry, Barrow, and Greenwood, and in time, Robinson, Brewster, and even Bradford, were deemed radical and seditious. But it is men like that, and the people that joined together with them, who shaped history and changed the world. At the time, though, Bradford was part of a family that was conforming to Queen Elizabeth. But Bradford's time as a conformist would be short because God in his providence was about to throw young William Bradford right into the heart of one of the greatest conflicts between freedom to worship Jesus Christ as the Bible dictates and the tyranny of kings and queens who set themselves up opposed to the Lord. But for the beginning of that story, we will have to wait until our next episode. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Church History for Everyone. For information about following Jesus, the King of History, visit reformedhope.com and be sure to join us for our next episode. Until then, go live out your story as a servant of the risen Savior.